I should be constantly working that, you know, I should just keep going. I should just keep moving. And it's been causing a lot of problems. Hello all, this is Eric Almeida with the Guiding Mind podcast. Today, I want to devote this episode to the concept of doubt. Um, I actually Googled the definition of doubt to see if I can get a better read on what it truly means. So it's a feeling of uncertainty or not being able to rely upon. And doubt is certainly something that plagues us all, especially guys of are we putting our energy, our effort, our time, our money, our all of who we are, are we putting it into something that is worthwhile? That could be, you know, putting it into a car to fix it up. That could be putting it into a relationship to make it successful. That could be putting it into a job to to be more successful or to to be more fulfilled, whatever it is that you're trying to aim for and doubt will almost always creep in at some point when when you are making your own path in life and it's it's truly yours it's something that you have claimed truly for yourself then you're you're going to have those moments of doubt because you're not following some cookie cutter path in life and so and on, honestly even if you are following a cookie cutter pattern in life you might doubt it's the right path for you and so it's doubt plays a factor in a lot of our lives in that kind of way of Am I on the right path? Is this what I want to be doing? Am I doing it the right way? And so for me personally, something that's been coming up a lot lately for me around the idea of doubt is the fact that though I do feel that the line of work that I'm doing, you know, of supporting men in their and their means of becoming able to, to take in and to become that honorable man that they're supposed to be, that they've always meant to be. Though deep within my soul, that feels right to me. And as I continue to grow and pivot into this particular way of, of my work, my mind is doubting it. And so, like, how do I want to explain this? Every time, so let's go with the brass tacks of it all. Did some market research in regards to the mental health coaching work that I do. And something that came from that market research was the fact that no one, from a mental health perspective, no one's talking to men or very few people are talking to men. Um, and that there are very few male mental health providers. And so whether it's a formal therapist or a coach like myself, there's, it's, it's a very predominantly feminine field. And 
So the data was saying that this, that focusing on men is, you know, an untapped market in that kind of way. And that my own relatability of my journey can resonate with a prospective client in that kind of way to be able to make it successful for them so that they understand that they're truly being heard because men do process their emotions and they process their thoughts and they process the way they're living their lives differently than women. And truthfully, uh, psychology, the, the baseline of a lot of psychological research is from the female perspective, even going back to Sigmund Freud, the founder of contemporary psychology, the majority of his clients, you know, over a hundred years ago now were primarily women. So there is this feminine orientation of conventional um, therapy, you know, conventional talk therapy. And so from a data perspective, it's like, this is a, this makes sense. Like no one's talking to men. No one's talking about anger either, which is the most common way that men express themselves. It's the most common emotion that men express. So let me clarify that. Um, things like, um, female oriented support groups and things like that, embracing one's femininity. That's, there's a lot of services in that way, whether it's therapeutic or coaching, and there's tons and tons and tons of support aimed specifically at people who are struggling with anxiety and depression as well, but not many people touch anger. And so, so from a data perspective, it makes sense. And I resonate with it too, because even myself, I've had moments where my own anger has kind of taken over. And um, honestly, that'll be a topic for a future episode. Um, but, and so I can relate to that in that kind of way. I can relate to that, that, that mask, that, that typical male problem of that patterning of ignoring what's going on or not knowing what's going on, it builds up within you and then it kind of erupts out of you in some kind of destructive fashion, typically in some kind of angry outburst. And so, so there isn't doubt there per se, but as I've been teasing it apart within myself, what where I have found where the doubt is, is in the process of. So, let me try to explain that. The, the example that I saw growing up around work was from my father. My father was a contractor. He was very successful as a contractor. He had his own construction company. He would work pretty commonly anywhere from 10 to 12 hour days, like six days a week. Like he really put the nose to the grindstone. And, you know, I have lots of memories when I was a kid of, you know, him not getting home until six, seven o'clock at night. You know, there being many times when, you know, me and my brother and my mother would be waiting for him to get home before having dinner. And then sometimes it would just be a late dinner. Other times it, it would get to the point where my dad would be calling my mom and saying, and saying, yeah, I'm, 
I'm not getting home till like eight or so. And, and so my mom will be like, all right, we're not going to wait for dad. It's, it's going to take too long for him to get back home. And so that was what I saw as what it means to be a man, what it means to be a business owner and what it means to be successful because that hard work that my father did, did over time end up producing a comfortable level of, of wealth for my family. You know, we weren't, you know, we, we started when, you know, when I was a little kid, we started off probably like solid middle-class. And then probably by the time I graduated from high school, it was probably like upper middle-class kind of thing. Like, like we didn't have to worry about food. We didn't have to worry about clothes and things like that. We could, we, we weren't just going nuts either. Um, so it was, you know, there was a level of comfort in that way, but it all came from that archetype of that's what you need to do to get that, to have that kind of security, to have that kind of peace, to have that kind of tangible wealth, you need to basically be absent from most of the other parts of your life. And so, and so that image has been in my head as a way that I should be doing my own business now of I should be constantly working that, you know, I should just keep going. I should just keep moving. And it's been causing a lot of problems because one, that's not, that's not sustainable. It just, it just isn't, you know, whether my father realizes it or not, he sacrificed a lot of other parts of his life to do what he did. And so, you know, it was less time with his wife. It was less time with his kids. It was less time with, um, with himself and doing things that he really enjoyed. And so he did what a lot of men do is I'll be happy or do these fun things in the future right now i'm just i'm just gonna work my ass off and so for me it's been injecting that sense of doubt whenever i am not doing something that's specific for the business so like you know in the evenings after working a decent day a solid day honestly there'll still be this part of me that's like, oh, you could be reading this. It's going to help for the business. You could be watching these, you know, these YouTube videos that can help for the business. Like, you know, everything you ingest or do should somehow benefit what you're trying to create. And there's been that part of me that's come from that archetype of my dad. But then there's like, I'm going to call it my genuine self who's been kind of, who's kind of like mm, that and that's, that's not our path. And so there's been this conflict between the two and it's been creating and manifesting itself in this, in this, in doubt, you know, you know, thinking that, thinking that I'm not working hard enough, not, not allowing others to help me either. That's a big part of it too, of not only is it, I have to work constantly is I have to do it alone. And so 
Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Like, even though my father had a company and he had workers and things like that, that, you know, he was alone when it came to being the boss of it, or at least that's how I perceived it. And so, and so like, that's been folded into all of this and it's been creating so much doubt. It's been creating so much turmoil in myself. And I'm just starting to note, like to catch it and be like, wait a minute, like all of the signals from the outsider saying that I'm on the right path. And even deep in my heart, like deep in my soul, if I feel like I'm doing exactly what I should be doing, but it's this part of my mind that's kind of like, no, like that, that voice just keeps turning on over and over again of like, you should be doing more. You should be pushing harder. You should be just go like, just like constantly running on the bloody hamster wheel, but you don't go anywhere. Like, yes, to a degree, all this productivity has produced tangible things for my business. And in a way it starts to justify the constant effort. But at the same time, it's, how do I want to, the, the fuel isn't pure and it's damaging the engine, the engine being the rest of me. You know, if, if I give everything into my work, if I completely, in, if I completely step into the the archetype that was what my father did i would have to sacrifice so many other parts of my life or dramatically diminish them in a way that i don't want to do and so that isn't going to serve me and that as i've walked down that path as far as i have so far it started to have consequences of me having you know me being in a state of discontent and doubt with myself a lot, which is not fun or comfortable at all. And then it interfering with me maintaining my friendships and me maintaining my marriage and things like that. I haven't let it get out of control, but it's certainly, it's certainly, and there's certainly a level of interference. And so I'm beginning to try to see that and acknowledge that and to realize that was the way my dad lived his life. That's not the way I have to live my life. And that I have control over the scales of what I am investing myself into and who I bring in to help me on this journey and who I don't. And that I can learn to let this doubt go by realizing that I'm I'm following a script that's not mine and that's why it's that's why there's friction it, it's there's this like disconnect and so as I've been doing my research this kind of archetype of following some predetermined path seems to be unbelievably common for men of, you know, you go to school, you get the good grades or you do well in sports. You, 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 you go to college or you get the certification or you get the training, you jump right into the workforce and then you just keep running and running and running. You know, you get, you get the wife, you get the two and a half kids, you get the house in the suburbs or whatever the, whatever version of it is for you 
depending on the archetypes that you've that you've been exposed to. You know, if you grew up in a city, it's going to be a spacious two-bedroom apartment. If you grew up in the country, it might be having, you know, acres of farmland or acres or, or acres of just of just of land to yourself and things like that. And so, you know, it's the idea of the fancy clothes or the fancy car or the expensive watch, you know, the corner office, all, all of these archetypes that have come from others, but, and, and men just are all about do. And so they're just like, okay, this is what I need to do to be successful. And this is what it means to be successful, to have a giant pile of money and have these shiny things around us. But then for those of us who've been there, it all turns to ash it does it's not it's it's not enough and then for a lot of men this is the classic midlife crisis kind of scenario they have that moment where they just can't anymore and then they the life that they've created whether they realize it or not they start to destroy because it it doesn't suit them and that destruction can be in neglect that destruction can be in, in distraction, you know, video games, porn, things like that. That destruction can be in an affair from a, from a relationship perspective, that destruction can be in, in just making poor financial decisions from a household perspective or a business perspective, or just that your body just giving out on you, you know, the, the classic heart attack example, or, or just you just can't get out of bed anymore. It's it it's just become too it it's the path has you've gotten to a point where you're you're just completely rejecting the path that you've been pursuing because you just you can't run anymore. There's nothing left to you're running out of energy to give. And it's just the whole system starts to come to a halt in a very destructive way. And so You know, I experienced that myself when I had the panic attack at one of the last jobs I had because I was so far away from my path. And now it's where I am on my journey is to move through this doubt. Not that I'm not on the right path, but to move through the doubt and to move through the resistance of how I'm walking my path. Like I don't have to sprint. And that's what I, that's what this part of me is thinking I need to do that. Like, this is a marathon. This is the rest of my life. Like, you know, I'm 37 years old. I don't even know anymore. I'm 30 something years old. And like, I'm not going anywhere. I, I've got another 50, 60 years, you know, knock on wood, at, give or take, as long as I don't get in like a free car accident or something like that. And it's like, it, this is a marathon. And it's like, why am I trying to sprint through this? You know, that, you know, it doesn't serve me. It's just going to burn me out. Even in the business world, they, there's that saying, you know, everything costs twice as much, takes twice as long, and you're not the exception to the rule. And so, you know, why am I like running and then doubting the fact when I'm not sprinting at every moment, it's like, I'm doing that to myself. And I'm, I'm the only one that can let that go. 
And now that I can see it, I can catch it. I can catch the thoughts. I can catch the feelings and be like, no, like this isn't, that's not for me. I, that's not serving me anymore. I need to let that, that, that way of living go and find and, and follow the one that resonates really with me of me being able to be in the moment and to be connected and for my life to be more rounded, you know, with friends and, and family and work and self fulfillment and self progress and things like that. And so, so I want to pose the question out to all of you of what's something that you've been doing that you're starting to wake up to the fact that it, it might, it might not be right for you. You know, what, what's, What's something in your life that feels off, that's filling you, that's starting to have this doubt creep in? And so put that in the comments of the video, and I'm ha I'll be happy to commiserate with you and to respond when I can. But then also for us to share with each other that we're not alone with having doubts about our lives, you know, whether it's about the work that we're doing or how we're doing it, whether it's about the person that we're dating or that we chose to marry, whether it's about, you know, how we are being a parent or the fact that we chose to be a parent and all of that. That's normal. Doubt is normal. And once you can see it and you can acknowledge it, you can do something with it and you can, you can fix it. You can resolve it so that it doesn't eat away at you on the inside.